passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me, reacting to the Michigan football team's season opening 47-14 win over Western Michigan. Plenty to discuss. We'll try to keep it brief because we know you guys want to get on with your Saturdays or I guess if you're listening Sunday, uh, on with your Sundays as well. But but get, just kind of look at the key talking points, key discussion points, uh, and and kind of our thoughts on some of those thing, those things. So we can jump right into it. Of course, there will be tons of post game writing and and coverage over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247Sports.com. Steve, I I guess I'll just ask you what was the what was the most significant development if you could pick one the most significant thing that you saw Saturday, uh, whether it surprised you changed your opinion about something or, or, you know, kind of looking ahead to Washington made you maybe, maybe take extra notice a little bit. Uh, for me, it's gotta be Blake Corum. What do you have over 200 all purpose yards? 212 all purpose yards. Right. Um, the other, like just looked more comfortable running the football. You know, it's like a lot of people there. I saw some, you know, and you see it throughout the game. It's, you know, people are very reactionary on like every play is like, uh, yeah, <laughs> can become an indictment on anybody. The, the guy calling the play, the guy running the play, whatever, you know, there's a lot of some grumbling about them using him between the tackles. Uh, no way. I mean, he definitely, he had a, a different, we know he has the burst. We know he has the speed. Uh, I know some had criticized last year, maybe a little, not enough vision, maybe not enough patience. That was not the issue today. Uh, he looked like a different back in a good way for Michigan. And really we talk about Hassan Haskins, 13 carries for 70 yards, kind of did what he always does. Gaining yardage about as dependable a guy in a short yardage situation as you're going to find in college football. Honestly, I mean, we've talked about the stats, Um a real synthesis today and kind of what we had talked about heading into the season, what we were looking to see at running back with Haskins and Corum kind of giving defenses a different thing to worry about uh, really felt like both of those guys were incredibly effective. Uh, even Donovan Edwards looked solid uh, when he came in as well. You can see the flashes there uh, that are going to make him an eventually, eventually an impact player as well. So, you know, I talked about, I thought I wanted to see Michigan run the football. They ran for 334 yards. They looked, really effective doing it almost eight yards a carry, you know, which uh, obviously a couple of, you know, you had Henning and, and Wilson adding to that total significantly, but either right. way, but that, uh, that's why that stat is important is right. it's, it's a combination of your short yardage plays and your chunk plays. I was going to say those runs still count, you know, they were able to, they were, they were able to set those plays up 
by effectively running the football between the tackles. So thought it was a great performance offensively in particular, uh, defensively kind of almost a, I felt like, I don't want to say it was like, like when it was with under Dom Brown, but gave up that early drive, which I felt like Michigan, it's kind of always seems to a little bit against an inferior opponent, uh, but then buckled down, uh, looked good the rest of the way, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, but biggest takeaway for me, definitely Blake Corum. He's going to be a problem for, for defenses all season. Yeah. And I think, I think Corum, you know, I was thinking about this on the, on the walk back from the stadium. I think what he represents is something that a lot of Michigan football, kind of the, the overarching theme of this game is, is I think they were able to turn. I think blank, or I believe blank into, I know blank. So we heard all off season. We, we reported it too. It's not, you know, honestly, frankly, we probably talked, talked up quorum more than any publication if I'm being blunt. Um, But we didn't know. I mean, we had a pretty good feeling based on, you know, recruiting what the, what the Intel within the program is, what, what's being said in press conferences and just kind of kind of watching Corum last season. And then also in high school, um, you know, we, we talked up him, we talked up AJ Henning. Uh, we talked up, you know, David Ajabo, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the increased role of Daxton Hill, but those are all thoughts and beliefs until they actually happen on the field. And so I think, you know, I think Corum obviously is like the big, I mean, that was my first takeaway in my story um, was, okay, he can do that. You know, he can be a really dangerous player. So, yeah, I think, I think he and several other players were able to transition hunches, beliefs, rumblings into stuff on the field. And that's, that's not nothing. You know, there's a lot of – that didn't really happen last season. Uh, I don't even know who the biggest breakout player was for Michigan last fall. Um, could argue nobody. Uh, if you're if you're being facetious so yeah that's a great one I think for me I think the secondary really settled in I I I really thought Vincent Gray had a great game um didn't hear Jamon Green's name called probably meant he had a good game too they just weren't throwing to him uh and and then then I really like the disguise coverage potential that Daxon Hill presented now you know high major teams, teams later on the schedule, they're going to kind of be aware of that and be able to work around that. But I mean, Western Michigan, they were just straight up confused. I think, I think the one play that stands out to me is, is, um, you know, Hill disguised blitz. And as soon as the quarterback looked back at the center, he like backed off and was ready for the, for the pass. I believe it was in the flats. uh, And it was a like zero yard game. So he brings a he 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 offers some really unique potential just because teams teams are going to be kind of looking and they think they know what what um, formation or what set Michigan's in, but Hill can play a lot of different roles. He's not he's able to offer a lot. And then I I, I thought you know there were a couple big chunk plays, but it did not feel like those were on the defensive backs. It felt like couple of them were on the linebackers or, or just the, uh, I guess the formation, maybe that's play calling. And then a couple I, th- I felt like were on the, on the defensive line, not providing enough push, but I'm with you. They really settled in. I think they allowed uh, what 111 yards in the first quarter in the second quarter, they allowed 23 in the third quarter. I think, bef- you know, before Michigan pulled its starters, 
it was at the same pace. I think it, they were averaging like three and a half yards per play. Uh, you're going to win a lot of football games if you can adjust and settle in. Because you're right, that first drive, teams have been scripting that for weeks. Uh, you got to think Western Michigan was hoping to make a statement with that drive. And so, um, you know, what happens after the first drive is important. And I felt like Michigan's defense did settle in. They gave up the the touchdown at the end, like like they almost always seem to do in games like this. But but if all you're giving up is the the scripted touchdown and then the throwaway touchdown when the game's out of reach, you, know, you had a good day. So yeah, I think I think those are probably the two main things that stuck out to me. Steve, what what surprised you in this game? Was there anything you know? Because some of this we we expected. I you know forty seven fourteen was maybe higher a higher margin than we expected but but more or less this game was kind of similar to what we expected anything really catch your eye that that uh maybe you weren't expecting to see this week not necessarily not off the top of my head per se there wasn't anything that like shocked me or wowed me I mean I thought this really you know I was a little surprised early on. I thought maybe Michigan would get a little bit more pressure early on up front defensively, but that that was another area. When you talk about the defense kind of settling in, that was really where, where it kind of ended up. Now you, you talked and rightfully so, because I thought the defensive backs played a little bit, maybe they did, maybe they played a little bit better than what I thought they would just because again, we talked earlier in this week, early in the week about Western as a veteran QB veteran backs they did lose Eskridge, who was their best receiver, maybe their best player last year, but still brought back their top three receivers. Uh, well, more more left the game pretty that's early. True. Sorry, too. sorry. That didn't, but I agree with you. Right. Yeah. Either way, though, this is this is one of the more veteran offenses, you know, that Michigan is going to play. So I thought that was uh, that was significant. Also, and, and again, not maybe like a huge surprise, but uh, Michigan yielded no quarterback hurries today, uh, at least according to the official stats. And, and that's, I think, is a great sign going forward. Again, Western, if we're being honest, probably one of the, what, two or three worst defenses they're probably going to play this season, I would, I would think. Got to be, yeah. Statistically. Yeah, I think so. But still, again, we talked this year about the offensive line in particular having a lot of potential, a lot of depth, experience, and talent, but we hadn't seen it start to produce. You know, and I thought for the most part, I thought they did – what they were supposed to do and really honestly might've played even maybe a little bit better than what I expected. So uh, just on a play-by-play basis, the other thing was nice to see a quarterback who will step up in the pocket light on their feet and like, and make some downfield throws. You know, that was one, I mean, we've that's one area Michigan feels like they've been lacking there for how long, uh, even go back to Shea Patterson. I mean, they would hit some downfield throws, but they would, for every one they'd hit, it feels like they'd miss three or four. And uh, the deep ball looked a lot better today. McNamara just looks, looked comfortable. You know, Michigan, it, it felt like for the first time in a while offensively that Michigan just, you don't make, as you're watching the game, you don't feel uh, no tense. You know, it's very, feels very, everything feels crisp and comfortable. Um, now that starts with running the football. It makes it a lot easier for your quarterback when you can run the football, but still nine for 11 thought of, was there a, is, is the bell one hander? Is that considered a incompletion or is the penalty make it? A no? I think it's a no play. Okay. That's what I thought. But 
Um, even then, even with, despite how amazing that catch was, that was still a great throw. Uh, now, now again, probably not going to be caught. Most of the not many guys are ever going to make that catch, but it's still a great throw. Uh, so the downfield, the, the passes down the field uh, were refreshing. And I think with the speed that Michigan has at receiver, uh, you know, could continue to bode well for them the rest of the schedule. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think um, one, one quiet surprise, just because I've covered enough of these games under Jim Harbaugh to, to maybe have this opinion, felt like they, they went to the bench earlier in this game than they have in years past. Uh, felt like, I, I want to say it was mid-third quarter. You know, I started hearing guys like Junior Colson. Uh, guys like, um, I mean, Braden McGregor got in and got a tackle, uh, you know, on offense, we didn't just see JJ McCarthy do the like five handoffs, take a knee, see you next week. Like it, he, he actually got to throw and, and <laughs> obviously one of his throws was, was very memorable. I don't know if the other ones were anything, you know, especially amazing, but, but the 69 yard touchdown pass to Dalen Baldwin, I mean, that's. That, that's important from a optics standpoint, too. Not only does it help McCarthy kind of become comfortable at the college level, but that helps with recruiting. That helps generate buzz for the future. That helps get fans excited. And it helps McCarthy's confidence. You, you have a, a great theory that, you know, how, how a player does in their first game can really make a big difference in, in how the rest of their career goes. And so I think... I think getting him serious run, you know, Donovan Edwards, I was a little surprised we didn't see him until it was backup time. But if that's where he's at compared to Corman Haskins, it was good for Michigan to make sure he got six carries, make sure that he got um, at least one passing target. And yeah, I think on the defensive side, I mean, it's no secret, not a lot of proven depth on Michigan's defense. You, you, you're going to have to build it with, you know, kind of, kind of games like this games where, yeah, it looks like uh, junior Colson got a couple tackles. Looks like, I mean, you know, he, he got in way before, but like Mike Morris had actually a really good game. He had a really good opportunity. Uh, you know, Rod Moore quietly had, had three tackles and you know, RJ yeah, Moten hey, Rod had Moore, five. Rod Moore. Yeah. Rod Moore looked really good yeah. in, his, in his limited time. That's a guy to, obviously that's a guy to remember like safety, looks pretty good right now for Michigan. Cause you talk, you just mentioned Moten. Uh, yeah. The safety play felt like better from top to bottom than it has in a few years for Michigan today. No doubt about it. So I guess the broader point is if you want depth and you want guys to step up sooner and not be like thrust into the wild, it's, it's in games like this. And I think Harbaugh has always been a little hesitant to put the backups in and, and I think when backups do come in, they're not always put in a situation where they're like, go make some plays, go score a touchdown, go you know, do this, do that. So um, that, that was a slight surprise to me. Switching to the, the negative of the game, I, I think this one's pretty obvious. Ronnie Bell's injury, we, we don't have an update other than they're doing an MRI tonight. Harbaugh wouldn't even say if it was near ankle. Um, that's a that's obviously just a huge blow, you know, and it, it's it's an extra stings extra that it was on punt returns because obviously that that you know generates the debate. 
uh, I feel like fans always have the debate. Should you, should your star players be on special teams? Michigan to it has always said, yes, you know, Jabril Peppers was on special teams. Donovan Peoples Jones was um, a couple of the other names are escaping me, but yeah, I think, you know, it's just really unfortunate. Obviously he was having a phenomenal game before that, but any, any moving from that, because I don't think there's too much more for us to say about that. Any other things that were negatives for Michigan? I mean, it wasn't a perfect game. Felt pretty complete. I mean, it, it did not feel like a game where it wasn't like some blowouts. There's a little bit of hemming and hawing. Didn't feel like this was that kind of game, but anything that might get overlooked in terms of potential um, negatives or, or, or areas that definitely need to be improved in your eyes? It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I thought... So I thought Josh Ross had an up and down game. It felt like they Western Michigan went right back to what teams did last year and, and kind of went after him in the coverage situation. I know there are a couple plays that looked like zone. It was kind of hard to tell on the replay. You know, he'll, either Hill Green or Ross made a couple of mistakes. There was a two or three play uh, series where a couple passes that looked like the linebackers were a little bit out of sync. Uh, couple stretches too where Western had some success running the football right up the middle. You know, I don't know how many times we heard Mozzie Smith's name today or Donovan Jeter's. Uh, you know, you can correct me there. I just don't feel like we really heard their names very often. They each had one tackle. Right. And Smith Smith had two quarterback hurries. So right. he so he had some impact on had right? some coverage work. But but you're right in the run game. I don't think I don't think either of them are gonna grade out great in run defense right. for this game. So I think that was one thing where especially that's one thing going into next week because Wisconsin's offensive line is massive. Uh, that's going to be it. They're going to be a different beast uh, as far as running the football goes. So that's one area I think Michigan will, is going to have their work cut out for them. Um, I mean, again, being a little picky here, because again, after that first drive, it felt like Michigan really buckled down across the board. So, uh, you know, but, but as far as a negative thing, I'm trying to think, uh, Special teams were okay. Uh, offensively, kind of hard to really find anything. There were a couple in some questionable play call. I didn't like the uh, how they finished the first half. Thought that was a. And again, I don't know who's the one making the decisions there, but you know you have a chance to score another touchdown. I think you you either throw a pass on second down, or. You know, I'm trying to remember how it uh, the exact sequence, but uh, did not think. I think they had a timeout. And they did what too many teams do too often is they just they 
they hold on to that timeout until they absolutely like have no choice, but to use it. You know, it's like, I, I think there was about 20 seconds left. So I remember thinking the clock management was a little iffy at the end of the first half. In my opinion, I thought they should have, like I said, should have maybe thrown the ball on one of those plays instead of running it twice, running the clock down on fourth down and taking the timeout and kicking the field goal. So, uh, but again, nitpicky, not a perfect game, but there weren't really any massive glaring issues or errors um, on first watch. With this yeah. And, and, and if you, there were issues, it seemed like they were better later on in the game. Like I think, I think for me, the third down defense, uh, that was a huge problem for Michigan last season. I don't know off the top of my head where, what they ranked. It was not good. It was not good at all. And so, and that's, to me, that's a lot mental. And it's also a lot schematic is, you know, you, you don't, you can't give up that many third downs. And so Western Michigan, they completed three passes on third down in their first three third down attempts. And I think they were all for double digits. And so I think there was a little bit of a cause con- for concern for that, but then they completed just, or converted on, um, I think it was just five of their next 14. So they got better at it, but that is something that, you know, could Washington make Michigan pay a little bit more if their third down defense is lagging. So that'd be, that'd be one thing. Um, Yeah. I mean, the special teams, they got to find a a new punter or punt returner. Sorry. Um, I mean, Caden Colasar, I know he's a special teams ace. I know Jim Harbaugh really likes him. I think he's in there because they're worried other players are going to make mistakes. If I'm being blunt, I, I, they have faster players. They have more elusive players. They have players who are better threats to score. And I think that was evident that Colesar, I mean, he let a couple go behind him, even if they weren't going to be for touchbacks. So um, it's not a dig on him. I just think like feels like this week should be a week where Corum or Henning or some of these other players are getting getting some opportunity. Um, yeah, but really not a ton of negatives. They won by 33 and they could have won by 60 if they had wanted to. So, uh, uh, you know, if you're, if you're finding negatives there, you're probably overthinking. All right. Last thing, uh, looking ahead. I'm not sure the best way to phrase this question, but, but Washington, you know, I don't think we've seen them play yet. Uh, but did this, game change your opinion of that matchup of that game is there anything that you think Michigan really has to kind of focus in on or 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 really hone in on this week in practice just looking ahead what does this game change in your mind not a ton necessarily right I mean it's it's the first game of the season is always kind of a a wild card, you know, we, we watched Penn state and Wisconsin play today. And it's like, you know, two, two top 25 level teams. Like what, you know, does it, you know, does Penn state beating Wisconsin mean that is Penn state on their way to 10 wins or is Wisconsin stink? Like you never really know coming out of the game right. for, for Michigan. I just, the crispness on offense, I think is, is a good sign. You know, there were no, there weren't really any major miscommunications, no real, just, snafus like things looked the the operational side of things I guess the best way to say looked to be in peak form in the first game of the season whereas in the past we've seen Michigan like just kind of weird 
dumb mistakes and and just like uh like play clock like just the knowing the play there's just a lot of things where it's like kind of like what the hell are they thinking like what are they doing uh there wasn't really any of that and I think it lends credence to what we'd kind of maybe heard about McNamara about the the accountability you know because again the coaches can only do so much the players still have to do it on the field so like I said I think McNamara is a looks like a potentially a really good leader for these guys and uh is somebody I think that can maybe carry Michigan to better than what the pundits think again we're not watching this game seeing Michigan dominate a Mac team saying oh they're going to win 10 or 11 games now you know I don't think it's changed anything about a season prediction or anything like that but I think particularly offensively I think Michigan fans should be encouraged in that it felt like they utilized their variety of guys like because you know we've we've rattled off the 40 times we've rattled off the recruiting stats on some of these guys and thought you know like this there's no excuse for this offense not to produce and it felt like today you can see where that could potentially go that's like you know you I think I felt like you watch them today you think okay they they could really put some points up against a quality defense this year you know if if they continue to play mistake-free football because they do, even with Ronnie Bell out now, and again, we'll see where that where that is. Uh, it didn't look good, but you know we don't know yet. Even with that, you get AJ Henning steps in, seventy six yard touchdown. Roman Wilson forty three yard run. Um, again, those those obvious ish play designs aren't going to work against the top quality teams they're going to play. But you just you, I think we saw the athleticism of Michigan's offense on better display than we've seen against inferior teams in the past and so I think that's one takeaway if you're Michigan fan I think you can you can maybe at least maybe have some optimism about what this offense is capable of this season yeah I think ultimately that this game just proves a little bit of what Michigan's been saying they have to prove it every week um but but yeah I think I think two things stand out to me no, don't have a ton to say about either of them but I think one it felt very back to normal. And I don't mean that in like necessarily the COVID sense, although it was, it's totally different having 109,000 fans in the stands than uh, I guess zero last year. And then, um, you know, it just, it just felt like, like the energy. Cause when we walked to the press conferences, you can kind of see what the players and the, and the families, you know, cause that's, that's where they meet kind of on our walk there. And, and, um, it just seemed like very much – I just got a lot of 2018, 2019 vibes, which I got to think Michigan fans would take those. So uh, it just I think that the energy, uh, the camaraderie and everything um, – and, and they, made a, they made a game that should have been a blowout look like a blowout, which is not something that they did last season. So, so in, in the, in, on the field, it looked a little bit more normal as well. The offensive line did its job. You know, there weren't – major fundamental flaws at any position group you know there might be little nitpicky things but there isn't like some glaring weakness yeah and then the other thing that 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 stood out and it might have gone overlooked in the press conference but I thought it was really interesting you know Cade McNamara he he might get reined in a little bit with this media he's very honest and and says kind of what he thinks maybe it's maybe that works for Michigan uh, I've seen the movie before where the guy's really honest until he's told to, to maybe share a little less. 
But he he said unprompted that that Jim Harbaugh has been more hands on coaching the players this year. And I, I think that's something I'm going to keep in the back of my mind. I might not write about it yet just because I think anything after week one is just after week one. But there had been talk in the past couple of years about, you know, Harbaugh handing over the offense, being a little bit more of a CEO type role. And, and you know, I, I get real tired about like Harbaugh is, seems different this year. He seems like he has higher energy. I'm not pitching that. But I do wonder if he has kind of not retaken the reins, but has has really ramp re-ramped up his approach to coaching. You know, I think it's it's been mentioned a few times in the best shape of his life. Uh, he does seem a little bit more animated when talking about players than maybe in past years. And so, and again, we only get to see little bits of pieces of you know, what, what he says in the press conference and stuff. But um, that's something I'm keeping an eye on because it just, it seemed like that got snuck in there and it might've been swept under the rug just a little bit, but you know, that, that was, that was something that was mentioned in like 2016. That was a thing that, that, I mean, he almost was two hands on sometimes, you know, he was, he was coaching positions he's never coached in his life and just, but like, he was just that engaged and that involved. So uh, just a small little thing I'm keeping an eye on. Steve, uh, you, any, anything else you want to discuss or mention? No, just feel really horrible for Ronnie Bell. Yeah. You know, it was kind of really a guy that it was interesting, like shortly before he got injured, uh, just the way he plays is just, is such a, just a, a very leadership style of playing, if that makes any sense to anybody. Uh, all effort, intense, you know, just, just all the good, I think all the things that a coach and a, you know, a unit would hope for out of a guy like him, it just really stinks. You know, we'll see what the, I assume we'll learn tomorrow and the MRI, the MRI is tonight, but uh, I assume we'll, we'll have some maybe tomorrow, or maybe we'll have to wait until a media availability on Monday to learn what his status is. But, just football aside, just hope that he's going to be all right. And that, uh, you know, it's nothing too, too serious for him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I don't know. I don't have anything to say that you didn't say. I just, I'm in that awkward spot where I feel like I have to say something else, but, but honestly, I feel the same way. Um, you know, he's very emblematic of the team. I've heard players talk about him. He, he really might, he honestly might be the most respected player on the entire team and that's not hyperbolic because of the situation I if you'd asked me before the game I, I probably would have said the same thing so um yeah yeah I guess I guess we'll see what happens you know Jim Harbaugh after the game I think he said you know this is not the end for him he'll be back you know he's too driven not to so uh yeah anyway with that we'll wrap up this episode get back to writing about this game be sure to check out all those stories at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. 
Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.